And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Hi, Doc Manson. At Doc Manson. Hello, DC Matthews. At the DC Matthews. And welcome also to the rotating third chair co-host. Oh, uh, that chair is vacant. How strange. Uh, is it still a, a chair? Is it still available? Like, are other people going to start showing up on our show? Oh, I hope not. I can't handle any more heartbreak, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, we, uh, we've got some news, friends. So uh, buckle in, buckle down. Uh, I want to start by saying... Would you classify it as sad news or just, just news? It is sad from a personal standpoint. I think True. from a from a podcast and professional standpoint, I would classify it as just news. Um, yeah. I mean, in a fairness, like I don't know that Braun Strowman could accomplish anything more in the WWE. That's not so, the news I'm talking about. Oh, we'll get oh. there. We'll get there. Um, our friend GQ, who I have been friends with since uh, at the very least New Year's Eve 2001 is the when we bonded over um, chicken wings that had been out so long the fat had calcified. So New Year's Eve 2001 going into 2002? No, New Year's Eve 2000 going into 2001. Uh So I suppose then it would be New Year's Eve 2000. I'm not good at math. So you're you're saying that you were only friends with GQ like a year before you introduced me to him? Well, no. No, because we met, you and I met in 2001. I don't know when... I would have introduced GQ to you. That might have been later, like 2002, 2003, when we were living together. Yeah, it was, it was probably 2003. Because the first year, you didn't live with us at all. I always had the impression that you were friends with him for much longer. That's all. We met in high school. Um, we, we were friendly. We were part of the same social group. I was friends with his wife, or his girlfriend at the time, who is now his wife. Um. But it really was, I would say, personally, uh, senior year of high school that we became friends. Um, But either way, GQ has been a part of the show for about a year. He was an occasional guest. He became a more frequent guest. Eventually, we invited him to join the show on a permanent basis. And we had many happy weeks having conversation. Um. And due to a variety of reasons, some family-related, some professional-related, GQ does not feel at this time like doing a weekly podcast is right for him. And so last week where there, I guess there was this, you know, there was a joke made in which he said that, you know, essentially he was done, wound up turning out to be true. He said that this week was going to be his last show, 
as a joke last week. Oh, that's week. right. And then we did the joke is on him because last week turned out to be his last week. Yes, show. we wouldn't let him <laughs> we wouldn't let him come back on. Nope. Um, no, no, no way was I going to share the airwaves with that turncoat, that traitor. I, yeah, I love him. I, I, yes, we do. We love him very much. We support him in his decision. Um, I don't love it. I'll be totally honest. I don't love it. I, yeah, no, I enjoyed talking to GQ on a weekly basis. Um, as we've said for a long time, the two of us getting together and talking has been a joy yes. over the course of this six-year podcast. And being able to bring in another friend to to participate in those conversations. Yep. Sorry. What's funny? No, I'll get to it. Hold on. Keep going. I thought was also, you know, a, a good time. Yes. Now I'm, I, I don't even really, now I'm just, I'm, I'm sidetracked by your giggling, sir. I can't wait for next week when tall guy comes on the show. <laughs> we'll bring in another friend. Because this one was a friend that I had first and then we had together. So let's do the opposite and bring in your friend from second grade, third grade, fifth grade. Um. I've known it since kindergarten, so. So let's bring in your childhood friend, tall guy, and he can be on our show. He doesn't know jack shit about wrestling. And so, <laughs> you know, it will be it will be a wonderful new experience to have tall guy on our show. Yeah, I haven't seen tall guy in maybe almost three years now. And we've only exchanged a couple of text messages. So I, I don't know about that. Then, one. Well, then it is, I'm going to consider it a goal of mine this summer. We won't do it on the air, but I would like to reunite because the three of us had many times together. Yeah, that's true. Many of those many times were good. Sure. We did hay rides together. I mean, I guess. They were fine, and you know it. And I don't know. You were there, so <laughs> see, this is going to be the is, problem. This is it. I was just going to say, I did negative energy. I didn't that consider I, I that. I need to direct somewhere. <laughs> I didn't consider that. GQ, come back. GQ, we need you. I need you as the foil. No, we no. were doing so well. No, um, we love GQ. We have left it open for him to return. If at some oh, point circumstances allow for it, um, hopefully he joins us in some form or fashion. But for now, we are going back to something that we did for 200 some odd episodes, if not way more, considering all the other podcasts we did. Oh, and yeah. Considering we are at some point, maybe eventually going to do uh, another podcast. We're almost there. We're, we're so close. Brandon, Brandon Banks, we're so close. I promise it's coming, Bubby. Um, so yes, we were doing we were doing our deep research. We actually did. Weekend. We actually did. Yeah. We have worked more for that podcast than many many others. So yes, are you posting the new logo for this week's show? I'm debating how I want to post it. Um, I could post it uh, to the feed as, as the new logo for the show. Or I could post it as episode art. The problem is a lot of podcast players don't show episode art. Yep. So I feel like I've got to change the art. Uh, yeah, on the, I don't see episode feed itself all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yes, you, yes. I think I'll be updating. You had done some. You had done art. some work just recently. 
uh, again, getting a getting a sprite. I think that's what they're called. Getting an image for GQ to be part of the logo. And then it's not two or three weeks old. We get the new merch store up and running. And now GQ is not a part of it. And, you know, while he is spiritually always still going to be a presence on this show, he's certainly not going to be on my damn logo. And so <laughs> uh, merch that DDT wrestling.com. I set up that shortcut yes. merch DDT wrestling.com. You can go there to get to the store. Now you can see that beautiful new merchandise with, with the, the DC doc GQ logo. Uh, I'm going to say that that art is now a limited time. That's true. Availability. That will be a very, that will be a moment in time. Get that artwork while you can, because eventually we are going back to uh, probably just the two of us, unless we want to make a tall guy sprite. No, get some Jeff Goldblum artwork. I mean, if we're going to do one for him, it's, it's just going to be the legs (laughs) and it's just going to go off the top of the art. And that's all you see. Um, So here's a question. Sure. Because I've I've shared with you at this point the updated art, which will debut with this episode. Uh, Do we make that a limited edition T-shirt or something? You know, just just to celebrate this moment in time, to celebrate GQ. You know, the sort of limited edition farewell GQ. I think so. T-shirt. I think so. I think people are going to want. You walk around with a DDT wrestling shirt you might get one or two questions. You walk around with a shirt with Snake Plissken, you might get one or two additional questions. You walk around with a shirt like the one that you've made. <laughs> People are going to follow you and be like, "What? What? who are you and what is happening? Am I safe right now? Is everyone okay? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. So, you guys are going to love it. So yes. So, um, so yes, fare thee well, GQ. You shall be missed. Farewell. Uh, it was a fun, you know, Corona thing to do to keep us all together, connected, all that. That was great. That is true. And, it, uh, it was it was something that happened mostly during the pandemic. It feels like longer. And maybe that's just because let me let's let's transition. I have a question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Things are winding down. Uh, pandemic wise, maybe a little bit. Uh, people are out without masks and seem to be comfortable. Many people are vaccinated. Uh, you are looking, sadly, for both of us, you are looking, sadly, at returning to actually having to go to work. Um, <sighs> yeah, garbage that, let me tell you. So how does it feel for you? Does it feel like this is? it's been like this forever and this transition is hard? Does it feel like we're getting back to normal and you haven't missed a beat? Like, where are you at in, in the whole in the whole scheme of things? I never want to go back to work. That's my big thing. Well, but that was the case before the pandemic. You were ready to be done well before uh, this. Well, happened. that's true. I will say, though, you know, being able to see work this way on my terms at my location I was reading an article just today where, um, you know, they were saying the majority of Americans don't want to go back to work. And they're seeing that a lot of people are actually leaving their positions when faced with the idea of going back to work. Mm -hmm. And I certainly wish that was an option for me. Um, But, yeah, I I feel that in my bones. If I could find now a position that would allow me to do things remotely, I think I would do that in a heartbeat. 
I would, well, not your specific job. You know, again, the difficulty with trying to do lab work remotely. But I would imagine you could probably find something. You think so or not? I mean, I have to also remember, it's my job in particular. Yeah, okay, lab work, whatever. I don't do that much lab work anymore. I'm a manager at this point. You know what I mean? I write labs and things like that. But, like, that's, I hesitate to use the word creative. But, you know, that is a task that can be done researching, um, writing, revising. That can be done anywhere. Meeting with my people whom I supervise, uh, I've been doing that now for a year and a half remotely. Like, that doesn't bother me either. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I see the need to go in person for certain types of meetings that would require a physical presence, more of a hands-on thing. Um, But this idea that the time has to go back to 100% in person just seems false to me. I don't see why that needs to be the case. We've proven that enough of this works well enough remotely that I feel like some significant percentage of it ought to be able to be accomplished that way. But, you know, that's well. And there has been a lot of talk in my job lately about curriculum. Um, And essentially, if you're talking about right labs and all of that stuff, you're essentially writing curriculum just at a collegiate level. And I have to think there are maybe not for college, maybe if it's for secondary education, but I would have to think that there are jobs out there somewhere that would want someone with a science background who has a history of, you know, working with labs who could create a year's worth of labs for a biology class or a botany class or a insert science here class. Do you feel like you could write a chemistry lab at this point? A whole semester's worth? I don't know about that. Do you think you could figure it out, though? Yeah, sure. What about physics? Mm, Probably, but certainly more outside the wheelhouse. I'd be more comfortable in biology or biochemistry. Of course. Microbiology, somewhere biology-related. But chemistry is less of a stretch, physics more so, but I could do it. From from my incredibly uh, dumb perspective... I presume that since you have a PhD in a science, you are now expert in all science. Um, that's that, that, that's very much zoology, that you know. See, the secret about being uh, getting a PhD is you become a a really in depth expert on a sliver of the pie of knowledge. Like like you get towards the core of that pie, but now it's only a sliver. Whereas opposed to like, you know, your, your, your undergraduate, your, your bachelor's or even before that, the schooling you get before that, um, that that's filling up the rest of that pie. You know what I mean? And then going to college, maybe you're filling you, you pick a major, you're filling in, you have to do your general education requirements, but you're still focusing in. So maybe you're, you're getting a little bit deeper, you're getting a little past the crust of that pie and maybe a quarter of the overall knowledge of the world. And then, you know, maybe you go for your master's and again, you get a little deeper and maybe you're getting a little bit towards that, that gooey fruit filling of this delicious, delicious knowledge pie. But again, now you're looking at 
maybe, you know, 10% of the pie, maybe less, 5% of the pie. And I would say a PhD, you're looking at, you know, 1% or less of the pie. Yeah, you've made it all the way towards the center, but I would say you're you're so far specialized into a thing that no, all that other science stuff falls outside of your sliver. You might have picked some things up along the way. You don't get that far down without the sides crumbling in a little bit and that gooiness sort of spilling over into the wedge that you're slicing out to devour. Mm, pie is so good. But you know what I'm saying. You, know, you get where I'm going here. I've just realized something. I want pie. With your, well, that too. With your facial hair, you kind of look like a young Paul Hollywood. Ah, that is the, that is the greatest compliment I think I've ever received. We ju- Thank you, DC. We just finished earlier while we were eating dinner. We just finished collection seven of, uh, of the baking show. Um, I will say this. The last time we spoke I, about this, I was very much in the camp of Anne and Sue. And you were, you were a fan of Sandy and Noel. I, am, I now see, now that I've watched a couple of seasons, they're very good. I just, they're very relaxed in a way that, um, you just said their names. And Sandy and Noel or Ann and the Sue. The other two. Ann and Sue are not. Yeah. Ann and Sue are, are very wired. Whereas Noel and Sandy, I find is a very calming presence. Mm-hmm. It's a very different dynamic. Yes. Uh, I, I find. Well, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you care about baking show results, cause you've seen all of them, correct? Yeah. Yes. We just watched the one that David won. Mm. Um. Mm. Yeah, not David was all right. not my favorite season, but it was decent. Yeah, I wanted yeah. Dan to win. He was eliminated in the first episode, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> I have this theory that most of the people who get eliminated the first week are uh, I don't stunt hires aren't the right word, but um, they're plants. I don't think they're actually real professionals that got picked from a group of the best amateur bakers I do. in the world. I, th- I said, but I think I they pick a specific type of person. To- I think they pick somebody who they know is going to fail week one. Cause it, yeah, but I think you can, like I think you can pick so large. I think you can pick someone from the people who would applied that are just bad. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, but they almost always, the skills are almost always completely lacking. Yeah. They've got some sort of, physical style that it's like, whether it's I'm hat guy. (laughs) I was just thinking of hat guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then there's Dan who's got got his tattooed chest with his, you know, hair and such. Um, It feels like they bring these people on knowing, "Ah, yeah, that's our first week motherfucker. Yeah. I think, I think there's something to that, but yes, there's one season left. Is this the one where Sandy leaves? Cause I'm going to be very sad. I'm quite fond of Sandy. And I'm sure the other the last guy is season fine. has uh, Matt. Matt. I'm sure that I like be Matt fine. a lot. I like Matt a lot. I, I do. I the thing with Matt is um, Noel. While I do find very calming a lot of times, um, he would have a habit of going over to someone and sort of picking on them, but in a very sweet way. Yes. And I find that Matt is a, a sharper edge to his humor. And when the two of them get going, they can team up on people and make it a little bit more barbed um, than I think the last Uh few seasons were. So I I don't know. I'm not I'm not like calling them out. I still think they're very sweet and nice overall. Um, 
like they're big teddy bears. But I, I do feel like some of it hits a little sharper. The reason um, we stopped watching before. after one or two seasons without Ann and Sue is because the show, and I think that's what happened when it left, whatever it was, BBC and moved to Channel 4, um, <clears throat> seemed to take on a much more like we are trying to go for the drama. We are trying to not necessarily, well, yeah, maybe be a little bit meaner. And that didn't necessarily jive with our particular oh, I sensibilities. You think so? I think I, th- I, I think Paul Hollywood was much, much meaner in the early seasons. Yes. And by the but time but, he branches off to the new channel. Yes, he's different. But I think between whether it was, it seemed like there were more people crying. It seemed like the, almost the producers were kind of. I Okay, I could see that, I guess. Yes. No, I, I, I noticed a visible change in Paul in these later seasons. Paul becomes way more of a teddy bear yeah. in later seasons. <clears throat> we just watched their Steph, who won like four star bakers, and her showstopper is bad, and the whole last week is bad. And I she, love Steph. And she starts, she so she starts crying. Yeah. Um, and he's in the middle of criticizing, and he goes, Never mind. Thank you. And then went over later and gave her a hug, like before, like they continued. And I was like, he would have yeah. never done that in the early seasons. Mary would have done that. Right. So. Exactly. He definitely softened up, I felt, but well, yeah, you know, but we'll have one more. And then there, there must be other seasons that are just not on Netflix. There are at least two early seasons that are not on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, we might have to look for them on other. They're difficult to find. Yeah. Um, let's get to the, the big story of the day and what will wind up, I'm sure, being the big story of the week. Uh, shockingly. Six more releases from the WWE. Some of the biggest names released all year. Uh, you mentioned Braun Strowman. He is the physically biggest of the group. Uh, but also Ruby Riot, Alistair Black, Murphy, Lana, and Santana Garrett. Uh, I have to imagine you're... I don't imagine you have just Twitter on in the background all the time, right? No. Not so... All. Maybe Mrs. Manson heard this news first and then told you about it. Maybe you happened to notice. But uh, how did it, to to use the phrase, how did it hit the ear when you heard that this was a thing today? I don't know. I was very surprised that they released Braun Strowman. I was less, I was less surprised, but still kind of surprised that they got rid of Ruby Riot. But the rest of them... I mean, even Alistair Black, okay, yeah, maybe they were still gearing up to do something with him. Maybe. The surprise. But the rest yeah, of them. The surprise with that one came from the fact that they were, like, he had vignettes. He showed up and interrupted a fatal four-way match. Like, it looked like he was going to be at least on TV. I don't know that he's had a match since, you know. Um, I think they probably decided, eh. We've got the fiend. We've got enough Russell Spooky. We're all right, probably. And you know, there's a, there's a world of possibilities in terms of the conversation. I think you're right. Braun Strowman was a surprise because of his size and because he, you know, it just seems like you always have room for a monster. Like I don't know who the next big, big, big guy is. Especially because like they don't have. Big big guys. That's what I'm saying. They don't have 
Big Show. They don't have Mark Henry. They don't have The Undertaker or Kane. That would be like I mean, they do have Undertaker, sort of. Yeah, but and Kane, sort yeah. of. But you know what I mean? Like all those guys are are, are gone. They've moved on. They're or they're semi-retired. So. Mark Henry's in AEW right now. He he showed up. Oh at, yeah, he showed up had, at the. You know, he's going to be a coach or whatever it is. But um, but maybe that's the way you move. Maybe you don't want those big guys to lopside your lo- your roster. I didn't I really think of this until we started discussing it. But that's true. Like, I think your big guys now are like your Drew McIntyre and your Sheamus. That's the big. Those are the giants. I guess Jinder Mahal has a couple of like m- muscly goon type guys who are probably tall, but not. Like, we're not talking great Kali size. I mean, I guess you've got AJ's guy. What's his oh, name? Oh, you do have almost. I forgot about almost. Almost. Yeah. He's huge. Almost is huge. He is. But yeah. And I'm looking at, I'm thinking about SmackDown. Nope. I, it's interesting to think that, you it's know, it's an interesting shift, especially in a company ostensibly run by Vince McMahon, who for 40 years, has been known for loving the big attraction. Well, and and we should discuss that because what I've seen on Twitter um, through my timeline is there are people wondering, hello, Mrs. Manson. Maybe she should be in the rotating third chair. I mean, if I could get another chair in here, <laughs> I, I, I've got that. I've got that pulling back there, but it doesn't rotate. So that's true. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, People are starting to wonder if uh, Vince McMahon is up. Oh. Are you guys feeling lonely without DQ? We were just discussing the fact that you should be the new third host. Oh, oh, that's that. I don't know if I can live up to that. That's a you could easily surpass. You could easily surpass it. Can you do a, a like a Popeye voice or an Irish accent for us, please? <laughs> I don't think that's her strong suit. <laughs> Not at all. That's all GQ. Okay. And you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, my accent travels. We know this. I start in one <laughs> country. I start in one country and quickly go elsewhere. Um, well, who are you? Promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Manson, while we have you here, uh, who are you most disappointed to hear about that was released today? None of them. They'll all have careers elsewhere. That's a very God good. Bless. That's a very good point. She's so smart. She. We should have her on the show more. She's very smart. We haven't heard anything about the fashion of WWE wrestlers lately. I can't say I've watched much lately. Well, that'll give you a reason to watch. Well. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Enjoy your duo. Thank you. As long as I have the doc- lonesome, the lonesome pair. As long. <laughs> Oh, there's the title. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, as long as I have Doc Manson, that's really all I need. Um, do you think Vince is getting ready to sell? Let's just get to it. I don't know if I think he's getting ready to sell, but I, I think he, I think he's getting ready to to wrap it up. Um, I'd be surprised if he sold, if only because it seems like he's been grooming Stephanie, and you know Shane's come back into the fold to a degree, and Hunter. I'd be surprised if he sold, but, um, you know, I think Jeremy has made a pretty compelling argument in our, our bestie Twitter chat about how, you know, um, certainly a lot of the stars are aligning the things that you would want to do to make a company desirable for an acquisition. He's not wrong about that. 
And I do think that Vince McMahon has the sort of ego Jeremy describes in terms of wanting to say, I've completed the greatest, biggest merger in the history of sports entertainment. Suck on that, UFC. Um, so I guess I could see it. And, you know, you could sell the company and have some sort of contractual obligation where, you know, there's a role for Stephanie and Hunter. Yeah. It would probably be time limited, but they could perhaps be in those roles for a contractually, yep. you know, obligated five years or so. Um, so I don't know, maybe. Well, and there's, you know, Stephanie and Triple H, every couple of months, they sell a million dollars in stock and then they sell, you know, $2.1 million of stock there. It seems, I'm not a stock person by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems like they are getting rid of their shares. So that would kind of put them in a situation where if they were to, you know, be bought out or something, they could, you know, they seem to be okay with it. But again, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe they just needed a million dollars. Maybe they just, you know, they were I mean, buying at some point you got to take your profits. You know what I mean? Um, the WWE stock is near all time highs if it's not at all time highs. Yeah. So let's see where, where it is right now. Think about it this way. You've just, you sold off your network, which was your major push into a modern digital distribution platform didn't quite work out for you and in place of that you made a massive essentially equivalent to a new television deal with peacock on top of your existing television deals which are already some of the best deals they've ever received because of the death of must-see live television mm -hmm. right something that they're still able to provide so in terms of looking towards the future Now's a great time to cash in that stock. I don't know what else is going to push your stock much higher. So if you want to take some profits, now's a good time to do yeah. it. And the stock has gone up today, especially in the last you know, couple of hours since the releases were announced. Now, granted, it didn't go up a ton, but it went up. So I, you know, I think I could see a world in which they're like, you know what, Vince, this was Vince's company. And he can't expect even his own children to have the same amount of passion and desire to do this. And if, you know, he feels like now's the time to, to cash in and go out on top, then, Hey, more power. Yeah, I will him. say, you know, Mitchell also made some arguments in the, in the bestie chat. And while, you know, I've already, I've already spoken to Jeremy's points. I, I also agree with Mitchell. I don't feel like Vince McMahon would sell. I feel like he's, too stubborn for that. I feel like he'd want to make keep it a, be his own thing, but but again, I guess maybe he could. It's yeah. hard to say, right? I mean, I um, either way. I think Mrs. Manson just made a very good point. All of these wrestlers, all of these talents are going to have success. You know, I don't know that Braun Strowman wants to wrestle anymore. He might want to go on and do other things. He might want a career in Hollywood. He might want a career doing whatever else he feels like doing. You know, you, you've been in, here's the an idea. Okay. Three words, money, plane, two. True. You know, if they remake blood sport, he's got the perfect role playing go. the, you know, big brawler guy. Um, you know, Alistair black, Tommy end is, could go anywhere he wants. He is that level of talent. Buddy Murphy, supremely talented. I've loved him since NXT. One of the first articles I wrote, for the two contenders, I know you don't see it, but I think he's very talented. But 
You take a guy like Ty Dillinger. I mean, what did, what did he end up doing? He's an AEW, right? Yeah, he's part of the inner circle or the other group. He's part know, of one of know, the stables. I don't even know what his name is now. John Spears. That, okay. But like that is what I see happening with Murphy. He's going to go on to that sort of role. I don't think he's a breakout star anywhere he goes, but he's a solid hand. He is a great wrestler. Um, and he'll 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 contribute to a product. But he, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy. No. But, you know, I wouldn't have said that about stunning Steve Austin either. So No, I don't do think I, I don't know that he'll be the guy, but he's the type of guy where he shows up in NWA. I wouldn't go to AEW if I was Murphy cuz he he's not going to be a top guy there. But he goes to Impact, he goes to NWA, he goes to Ring of Honor. You know, he can do some things. And then from there, who knows? That is a word, brand, I haven't heard in a long time. Ring of Honor? Does Ring of Honor still exist? It does. How are they doing? They seem to be doing all right. You know, they're, I don't know that they have. um, They got bought by Sinclair, so I guess they're probably doing just fine. Yeah. You know, they, they're not, you know, setting the world on fire, but they're doing all right. They've got champions I've never heard of. Well, that's not true. I've heard of some of these people. But in fairness, the WWE has champions I've never heard of. That's so, true. I mean, that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, you know, Ruby Riot, great wrestler. Heidi Lovelace. Uh, any women's division would be lucky to have her. Santana Garrett, great wrestler. Any women's division would be l- lucky to have her. Lana's going to go to AEW. Going to show up with Rusev, a.k.a. Miro. Just fine. I hope she tells him to crush. That would be great. So, yeah. I think so. You know, it, it, was, it was surprising news, but it was not. Uh, I don't think this is going to severely damage WWE, and I don't think it's going to severely damage them. So I do again. I do, I, I do feel like Braun Strowman's a surprise. It, like it is he, a surprise. He, he was he was a homegrown yep. talent. He was a guy he was a who came out. He came out of nowhere. You saw him as a rosebud. Like you were like, who the hell yep. is that guy? Yep. And then even when he when he debuted as part of um the Wyatt family, mm-hmm. you were still sort of like, holy moly, this yeah. the size of this guy. He did who not. The hell is he did this? not go to NXT. He jumped. From being yeah. a rosebud and then showed up on uh, WWE he, TV. He is very talented. He's he's hit some good highs in this yep. company. And like you said, maybe he's just not interested in wrestling. But if anything other than that, I, I can't imagine why they would have gotten rid of him. Well, okay. I guess I heard that he had a giant contract and maybe they didn't want to pay him anymore. But I, I don't know. It's one of those. They've things. done that before, right? They did it with Bret Hart. Yep. The same situation. They gave him a huge contract, said, well, I don't really think you're worth it anymore, and tried to go back on it. Yeah. That could be what this situation is. Not to say it's as anything near as dirty as the Montreal Screwjob was behind the scenes. But, you know, they might say, listen, we've got you on contract until 2023, 2024, million dollars a year. Uh, we just don't really see you being that big of our product anymore. So can we think we can get to something mutually yeah. uh, agreeable here? Well, The thing with Braun Strowman is you run into the problem you had with Kane. Kane won a couple world titles, was in a bunch of main events, but was never going to be the guy. Like, I don't know that you could have built a a brand 
around Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman's part of it, but if he's not wrestling for the title, you know, yes, it would be fun to watch him wrestle AJ Styles and Omos, I suppose. Uh, it'd be fun to see him team with the Viking Raiders. Remember them? Who? War Machine. The Viking Experience. Who? Who? Eric and Ivar. Who? Yeah. So, you know, at some point you're like, we're out of things for you to do. You've feuded with Roman Reigns. You've now, you know, wrestled with Lashley and Drew McIntyre. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. But either way, you know, we'll see what happens with them and we'll see, you know, they they got rid of supposedly a bunch of, you know, backstage people and front office people. Again, people saying that might be a sign that they're looking to sell because, you know, if they're bought by Disney or Paramount or NBC or whoever's going to. I will say a lot of those digital media people that went in the last round, that didn't surprise me knowing that they had transitioned now from doing their own work on the network to, to basically offloading it to Peacock. True. Um, it seemed like a lot of those positioned seemed redundant given the new structure of that business. But that was my impression from the outside. No, I think that makes sense. So yeah, you know, people upset, wrestlers upset, uh, fans upset. A lot of people just, I think the thing I think is weird about this idea uh, of Disney buying them. Where does that idea come from? Is that just a thing because Disney has all the money and they buy everything. So people think that, or is there any, like, has there, has there been like real credible talks between the companies? The only reason why I ask is because it's, it's WWE seems like such a, such a weird, strange fit for Disney. Um, I, I just don't know that they would be interested in the WWE. Well, right now, you, you know, what is it? NBC Universal? Yeah. They've already, in, they've already put, what is it, a billion yeah. dollars into WWE with Peacock. At some point, they might be like, hey, you know, you want a billion more dollars and we'll just own all of it or however much they'd be willing to sell it for. Um, I guess so. You know, Disney seems to buy up everything. But again, if Disney buys them in 2022, they have a contract with NBC for the next four years. So they're going to be owned by Disney, but on Peacock. Yeah, and they could do that. I mean, that does happen. But, I, you know, you, 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 you continue to service the contract that way until the end of the contractual obligations. And then you, I mean, you saw that with Netflix when they started Disney plus they had movies that were tied up on Netflix for a year or two years, but eventually they made their way over. Yeah. Um, so different movies. than that, but I'm just, I'm talking about like, you know, a lot of the content of WWE you go back to the eighties. Okay. Um, maybe more of that is generally acceptable because it's washed in nostalgia, but you start looking at the late nineties attitude era mm-hmm. stuff. And even some of the more, you know, risque, uh, uh, later 2000s, you're still talking about uh, Brian Panties matches and so on and so forth. I just don't know that that stuff that Disney has any interest putting the mouse on. You know what I'll I mean? Be, like, I'll be interested to see what NBC winds up. When NBC finally winds up putting everything up, how much of that is going to be, you know. What's going to be censored? Censored. Yeah. You know, I Sanitized. personally, I personally have no problem if they decide to get rid of all of the pudding, mud wrestling, bra and panties matches that they had. I don't see any. I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't know. It's the principle of the thing, like being asked to get rid of content that exists. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just don't know that that, I just don't know that that 
is something I'm entirely comfortable with. You're, you're, you're basically cutting out history. Even It may not be the most glamorous part of the history of this company, but it's still something that happened. So why would you want to just pretend like it wasn't there and well, get rid of it? I don't, I don't know. Disney is a professional company. They have a reputation. They don't want anyone connecting the dots and saying, hey, this, this doesn't look good on you and you need to answer for this. And so they might need to be like, hey, let's get rid of all of the stuff. You know, let's get our name away from all of the things. That that's why you be. sanitize, right? I mean, that's why. I don't know that I agree with it. I don't say I have a problem with it. I think, I just don't know that I I think they would. I think you put up a disclaimer. You put, you know, WWE, yeah, even WWE fair. Network put up disclaimers on some of their stuff. Because and, some and of that you know, Disney stuff. Plus has done that on a bunch of their older movies. They have. They have, yeah. they have a, a message at the start saying, you know, this is not necessarily uh, sensitive to current cultural norms or something along those yeah. lines. I think at that point you it. get, although we're starting to get into the, are we going to start having tears? If Disney winds up buying WWE, and I wondered this about Peacock, you know, with Peacock and Peacock Premium, the WWE Network might and be- And don't forget, in- Peacock Premium ad-free. Because, you know, you don't the WWE might need to be a, a tier. You know, it's an add on. You pay your regular Disney Plus membership. And if you want the WWE features, that's an additional six dollars a month. And so yeah. that way, you know, it's a little more difficult to get to. If you have to choose to watch those things. Yeah, um, no, I think that's a that's a positive way of handling it potentially. <laughs> But we'll see. All of this could be for naught, and WWE is not selling. They're just scaling way back because you know they've. They seem. I mean, to let's have, be honest. It's not way back. They seem to have realized that you know, even though they're putting on however many eight hours, eight nine hours of original content a week plus pay per views, they might not need this many wrestlers to do that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair so. enough. All right. Such lively conversation. I know. Huh. So. One of our best episodes in a while. I wonder wonder why. Well, would you like to go to the emails or are there other things you yeah, would like to Yeah, we discuss? can go to the emails. Uh, I'm okay. very excited for our emails. We've got some names here that we do not normally uh, say. And this first email, podcast at ddtwrestling.com, might be my favorite email in quite a long time. Because it's from Tim Johnson. I don't know who Tim Johnson is, and I don't I think you know. Don't know who that is. And I almost thought it was spam, except the subject says, "Why, yes, DC, I do listen." Huh. Uh, good day, gentlemen. Having listened to the show for some time, including the potential, t- <laughs> the potential takeover by supermodels, I have always thought I should email something so that you know those outside the bestie chat are listening. Today is that day. Normally, I listen during my drive to the retail telecommunications establishment that pays, getting the sense that you two, or now three as it is, were sitting in the back seat having a conversation. Back to two. Today, I was cleaning my basement, listening to the latest three episodes of the Corona Cup. Oh, Tim, why would you? Why would you do that? This is the greatest day ever. (laughs) And DC mentioned the green cane gear and thinking he was crazy. To that, I say, kind sir. I do not know you well enough to say you are sane, but this time your memory did serve you correctly. Please see the attached, and he has attached a picture of X-Pac and Kane 
and Kane. It's it's with the mask. It's it's the same sort of black color, um, stripey business yep. that he had. But you would normally think of as being the big red. It is machine. it is the original attire, but in green. It's the big green machine, and business. it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not great. Um, <clears throat> GQ. Uh, I enjoy the stories of window washing and the metaphors that it provides. I'm sure even though GQ is not here to comment on that, he is listening. I assure you. And, and from his scaffold speak, washing windows, I will speak on his behalf where he says, thank you. He appreciates the sentiments. Uh, doc, please eat cereal on air. It's been some time since that's happened. I agree. Um, you may have heard a little bit of munching and crunching earlier in the that show. Was another s'more, wasn't it? Those were s'mores. Yes, they were delicious. Uh, I composed this message prior to listening to this week's episode. Perhaps this will become a more regular thing, or maybe this will be a one-time shot. Only time will tell. Thank you for the weekly positivity, Tim. No Twitter handle. Uh, the email address does not match anything I've seen because I looked on Twitter. So, Tim Johnson, you're a bestie at this point. I don't know if you have Twitter. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to be part of the bestie chat. But I can't tell you how happy it makes me to know that somebody out there is listening and just not telling us about it. Because that means I can now believe hundreds of people all over the world are now listening to this and just we just don't know it. I would say don't get crazy with, with these delusions of grandeur. But yes, I have a warm and fuzzy feeling as well. Thanks, Thanks for the write in, Tim. I hope you write in again. I hope this is a. Yes. A regular thing for you. Uh, our next email comes from the bestest of the besties, Glenn. The sound of music. So DDT is back to a two-man booth. Sad to see GQ go, but the show must go on. In the bestie chat, DC mentioned reviewing musicals instead of horror movies on Sound Scary. So my question this week is, what would be your three favorite movies that contain singing segments? Thanks. Glenn. Uh, yeah, we did let the besties know. Do you, or do you think we should tell them how we did that, or do you want to leave that? Oh, yeah, I went into the bestie chat almost immediately after the conversation <laughs> the three of us had, and I wrote, uh, guys, GQ died. And I feel a <laughs> little bit I feel a little bit bad about that now, because, yes, Mitchell immediately came back with this very thoughtful, uh, sincere message. I will say, uh, you know, I didn't work Mitchell. He would, he, 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 he knew what I was saying was a work, or at least he suspected. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I don't feel that badly, but now looking back on it, I could see how someone might've taken that literally or at face value. Uh, so I apologize if I did strike a moment of terror into anyone's hearts, uh, it was not my intention. I just have a really lousy sense of humor sometimes. No, so. I don't think, I think, I think it was fine. I think, as Mitchell pointed out, I don't think, had he actually left this mortal coil, I don't think we would have told people by saying, guys, GQ died. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. So I, so but, I think you know. he, he was like, I'm assuming from the tone that you're not being serious, but I do hope everything is okay, which yeah. was a very kind thing. And we'll hear from Mitchell a little later. Uh, Excellent. Three favorite movies that contain singing segments. Glenn, uh, always with the excellent questions. Uh, we, you haven't addressed Sound Scary. 
Now, granted, that hasn't... We had nothing on the books at the yes. moment, you know? Okay. I'm I was quite- getting close. I'm going to be honest. Like, I've been talking to you, and we've been planning um, this this new show that we're working on, the, the, the List Reborn, as yeah. you will. And I think part of that there, you know, it's going to be a lot of evergreen content because we're going to be talking about uh, wrestlers uh, and their histories and their that, that's that that conversation is good, more or less in perpetuity. So we've been talking a little bit about could we maybe do some bulk recordings, get some episodes in the hopper. That sort of thing with the impending shift towards going back to the office, I was starting to feel like, man. I should really start talking to GQ about maybe doing something similar for Sound Scary. We had started sort of planning out a season two at one point. Uh, maybe we should sit down and just get some of that recorded. I didn't mention that to him yesterday, and hopefully he's not actually still listening at this point because I didn't want to like add injury to insult or vice versa. I don't know how you put that. Add but. to his guilt because it was it yeah. was he clearly is is pained at the idea that this has to stop. Like clearly. He was enjoying himself. I think so. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, see, and, I, and I presumed, you know, putting on my tinfoil hat, I was like, did Doc know something like this was eventually going to happen? So he was just like, you know what? We're not doing a season two. So that way, uh, you know, we can avoid it. But my favorite way. movies that contain singing elements. Is there a horror musical? I feel like there should be. Well, you could call the Rocky Horror Picture Show one, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean like an actual, like, Um, let me rephrase. Repo, the genetic opera. Let me rephrase. Is there a horror slasher? Is there a musical slasher film? Hmm. I'm going to cut off your head and pull your bowels out through your spine. Uh, Well, I mean, back in the day, there was one by um, the South Park guys. Um, Trey... Matt and Stone and Trey Parker. Yeah. Um, called Cannibal the Musical. Um, that one's pretty good. That one's kind of it, it, it's more campy than it is horror, though. Um, and I guess you could consider Sweeney Todd horror, the fan of the opera. You get that's horror. Um, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Nightmare Before Christmas. But I, I consider that a Christmas movie, not a horror movie. So I, I don't know. Like the repo, the genetic opera maybe is is the closest that I was I would say to being a real horror movie with musical elements that I can think of, um, off the top of my head, anyways. Mm. But yeah, oh, Little uh, Shop of Horrors. How about that, Little Shop true. of Horrors? Yeah, that's good. True. Maybe, um, maybe that. I am a fan. Uh, as someone who auditioned for an acapella group, thankfully didn't. You know, think, thankfully can't sing, but um. I'm a fan of the Pitch Perfect movies, so I'd have to put probably the first one. Yeah, yeah, the first. No, maybe the second one uh, in as one of my favorite movies that contains a singing segment. Um, okay. Now I'm trying to think. Rocky Horror well, is not a bad one either. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure, one of my three would be the Blues Brothers. I mean, 100% oh, good point. Blues Brothers. Good point. I good consider point. that a musical. A lot of people don't, but I, I think it is. Um, I'm trying to think there has to be a Bill Murray movie where he sang. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, hmm. he's in little shop of horrors. He's the dentist, uh, uh, patient, right? 
Yeah, Steve Martin's the dentist. He's yeah. the patient. Mm. I don't know that he does any singing there, though. There's no singing in Ghostbusters? Not really. Ghostbusters 2, they 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 play music very loudly uh, to get the Statue of Liberty to walk to walk after after they goo it up with the mood slime. Mm. But I I wouldn't consider that really a musical number. Um I don't know, I'm gonna go with with Frozen, maybe. I like Frozen a lot. I think that movie's actually quite good. And I think it teaches a valuable uh, uh, female empowering lesson mm. in, in the climax of that film. So overall, I, I like that film quite a bit. Uh, I had on VHS the 25th anniversary of Les Mis, which was just, you know, a bunch of actors on stage singing. Uh, I would definitely not put the movie Les Mis with Hugh Jackman and no. Russell Crowe on my list. Um, How about the Pirates of Penzance? I am the very model of a modern major general of information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kingdom of England, and I quote the French historical from Marathon to Waterloo and Autocategorical. I am very well acquainted with mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. About binomial theorem, I'm teeming with a lot of news. Lot of news, eh? Ah, with many triple facts about the square of the high Potter news. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's not that good. Oh, uh, but while you did that, I the producers. Oh yeah, producers is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I actually, I I prefer um the non musical producers, the uh, original, the original. Um, yes. Then I do the movie version of the. But the even movie. that one has singing segments. Yeah, some. Yeah, for sure. Not quite Every as time many. Time for Hitler appears. So yes, I love both. I own. I don't own many movies, but I own both producers. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. Uh, <laughs> poor Danny, the Lord Jalapeno. He asked for the podcast email, and I gave it to him, and forgot to put the I in wrestling. So he has to forward us DDT podcast question. Good day, gentlemen. Hope you and your respective families are all well in these pandemic times. With the latest round of WWE cuts, which for you is the biggest missed opportunity out of them all? For me, it would be not putting the title on Braun while he was white hot. I mean, the guy lived for a week in a rubbish truck and tipped over an ambulance. The crowd loved him, but for some reason, he never got the belt put on him. Not at least until WrestleMania 36, at which I put, by which point I think his popularity had already peaked. What, in your opinion, is the biggest what could have been yours cheerfully, Danny Scorpio, sent from my iPhone? He's probably right. Like, Braun, with, like I said, the Miz and the limo and him coming out of the garbage truck was great. They should have pulled the trigger on Braun a lot earlier, although yeah. I do think there was maybe more question on whether or not he, he, he was ever going to evolve the promo skills necessary for that spotlight, but I, I, he, he would have done well enough. I think we'll have this conversation when we get into uh, a, a list type show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My goodness. Had he had a manager. Yeah. Had he absolutely. had a mouthpiece. You know, we see it with MVP and Lashley. Lashley is way better. Luscious Johnny or someone like yes. that. You know, uh, the mouth, the South, Jimmy Hart. Uh, yes. Mr. Fuji. Any of those guys. Part of the, part Heenan, of the of Heenan course. family. Yeah. Yes, of course. I mean, yes. You know, All would have been good. Captain yes. Lou Albano could have done wonders for Braun Strowman. Maybe not put Cindy rubber Lauber, bands in the big beard. Yeah, I've been great. I would have loved it. Somebody watched WrestleMania recently, didn't they? <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> um, 
this is not going to be a popular answer. But even just a couple of months ago with Lana, and she got put through tables like seven or eight weeks in a row, like there's a couple of different opportunities where you could have put a title on Lana, whether it's a singles title or a tag team title. And it wouldn't have been huge, but it would have been pretty entertaining. I mean, you want to talk about the greatest missed opportunity out of all of them. It might be Lana going back to the love triangle with Dolph Ziggler, where, again, we've talked about this on the show years ago now. She was the strongest and most empowered female character that they may have ever put on television and crafted. And then they just made her a stupid woman lusting after a hot guy trying to make her husband jealous who got hit with a fish. Like they de- they debased her and took away all of her power in- in- within the course of a single lousy storyline mm-hmm. after building her for well over a year, maybe two years. Um, she really, really could have been something, especially yep. in the age of the women's revolution and all of that. She didn't have to be a wrestler. She could have been empowered in a different way, which she initially was. And that just completely fell apart for her. And it's been years, years since that Lana has been on our screen. Yeah. And I actually think that could be one of the greatest missed opportunities. I think you have, you, I disagree on the timing, but yes, Lana, absolutely huge wasted potential. I think with her career in the WWE. When you want to even, she was a fantastic manager for Rusev. Yeah, she was. She was great. Even though she didn't, you know, she wasn't a great talker and the accent was a little iffy, but still like that. I loved the accent Uh, to to some degree when you're doing that, 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 that one dimensional cartoon, you know, you know, pseudo Russian bad guy gimmick. There's something to having a bad accent. You know what I mean? It it adds to it a a, a little bit, a a little bit, the Bulgarian brute. I know, but you know, Um, I will say. I don't think this is this answers the question, but if you had asked me two or three years ago, who is going to be the last member of the riot squad standing still employed, <laughs> I would not have said Liv Morgan. And I understand she's the blonde and, you know, that's exactly why I would the have most said Liv mainstream Morgan. appeal from a, from an attractiveness perspective. And she's improved tremendously as a wrestler, uh, but can't yeah. wait to see her repackaged with Eva Marie. Oh God! I mean, Heidi Lovelace, I feel badly about as well, because I mean, I, I feel like she's been a great wrestler in the WWE. She's had um, some good storylines, some good opportunities, but they never she was never able to get through the haze of the four horsewomen. Yep. Um, so she never really had a chance at the top, I don't think. Yeah. Well, and again, Santana Garrett, I was a big fan. She did well. She was in a couple Royal Rumbles. She never really got a shot. But you, Buddy Murphy could have been a three or four time intercontinental champion. Like he could have been a mid card star. Um, and Alistair Black easily, easily could have won a world title in a two brand company. Oh, yeah. Whether, whether it's Russell Spooky or just I am literally going to kick everyone's ass. I mean, honestly, what they did with him in NXT had a little bit of spook. On yep. it, just a little. Yep. But it was mostly I'm a badass. And it was yep. awesome. Yeah. That's all they had to do. Yeah. So anyways. All right. Our our next email is from Bosk. Hello. 
Hello, Hello guys. guys. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was able to catch up on the past of podcasts. I like the engaging conversations. Kind of crazy time, the Great White North, with COVID-19 guides changing daily. People are liars or feel that they are entitled when it comes to mask wearing in private retail stores. It was the most exhausting Memorial Day weekend I have ever worked. Sorry for venting. Hmm. Haven't watched much WWE since WrestleMania. Backlash was okay. Crazy to hear about all the releases today, especially Braun and Black. Probably taking a break until SummerSlam, which is on a Saturday this year. Should be interesting. I didn't know that. Saturday. Huh. Okay. August 21st. That is weird. Um, Man, does Zack Snyder love his slow motion? We forgot to talk about Army of the Dead. Well, this is a perfect opportunity. Was I entertained? Sure. Was Army of the Dead a bloated mess? Yep. Spoilers. Uh, you know, skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want spoilers for Army of the Dead. Uh, the alien lights near the beginning. What? How did the zombies hair grow? The blue eyes? What? A blue baby? Really? Nuclear fallout that just goes away, right? <laughs> Sigh. Zach, just pick a lane and stay in it. Waiting to hear what Doc's GQ on draft and maybe DC's review is. You will never know what GQ thinks of Army of the Dead. Never. never. I think I need to get Shudder again for Psycho Gorman. Anywho, have fun. Also, most people in retail that ask you to wear a mask are just doing the job and have no input on said policy. So be kind. We are all in this together. Later, Bosk, sent from my iPhone. Bosk, it is always a pleasure to hear from you. Um, all right. I watched Army of the Dead this weekend. I have questions. Uh, okay. I, I Take it away, DC. I will try to answer the question. I am very eager to have a horror movie uh, analysis conversation with you. Uh, 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 consider this. Your, your, your audition for Sound Scary Season 2. Go. Okay. Right off the bat, with the exception of Shaun of the Dead, I don't know that I've seen another zombie movie. Okay. Maybe when living with you, you put on some George Romero, and maybe I fell asleep during it. I don't know. But my questions have to do with the the mythos that was happening in this movie with zombies. So again, spoiler, 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 spoilers. Um, three, two, one. I assume this is not the first time that there are classes of zombies. So in this movie, you have your traditional slow kind of ambling zombie, but then you also have alphas, which are faster, smarter, seemingly uh, able to have some sort of functioning quote unquote society true or false um neither it's gray so obviously the traditional romero movies were the shambling zombies yes but towards the end of his career certainly the last um mainstream movie he released although he did several zombie movies afterwards um land of the dead had Zombies who were still slow, but clearly the gears were starting to turn a little bit. And there was some smartness. They were using tools. There was clearly some sort of hierarchy. There was one zombie in that film called Big Daddy who clearly seemed to be maybe directing other zombies in some way. Um, beyond that, though, I will say classes of zombies 
if you remember the tweet that you mentioned of mine from a couple weeks ago, one of the things I mentioned was a more video gamey version um, of zombies and classes of zombies are actually very common in video games. Sure. Because I think it would be boring just to have slow moving zombies, right? Having watched you play seven days to die again, I'd like to see more. Um, I so do understand that. It sort of existed. Um, I would say that this one army of the dead goes the furthest towards showing zombies having some sort of, dare I say, functioning society. Yes. Sure. I, I watched the movie and my initial reaction is my God, Zack Snyder is a terrible writer. That, I don't yeah. know if I can, I don't know if I can say that now. Though, Lesson one. He's a terrible fucking writer. Never let Zack Snyder write a movie again. When he writes his movies, they are terrible, terrible writer. You know, the, the whole idea. Okay. So, you know, you have, they, they terrorized Las Vegas. That was an entertaining beginning scene. With, that should have been the movie. That beginning sequence when there's actually stuff going on in Las Vegas that looks yeah. like is appropriate to Las Vegas. There are showgirls. There, yep. there are casino sequences. There are hotels. There are fountains. Like, yep. That looked like a fun zombie film set in Las Vegas utilizing those aspects of Las Vegas that make it worth taking the time to set your movie in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, Continue. The, the, the military man who is parachuting down and realizes far too late that he is just landing in a crowd of zombies and looks up as if he can will his parachute to go up and is just pulled down. Um, you know, that part was entertaining. I appreciated parts of the, the zombie mythos because you are such an expert. You might not have appreciated it. The Siegfried and Roy tiger. I was like, all right, that's clever. I was fine with that. The, the, we need to leave a animal. Zombies are not new. Yes. Um, They're not common, but we need to leave a, you know, a basically a tribute because we're entering their territory. And then you have the queen zombie who, who appears. Um, I think it's interesting that zombies can have babies. I don't understand how that works at all from any other type of perspective, but I was like, Oh, you know, that's interesting. It's an idea that I feel like, um, you, again, you don't have the benefit of having seen, uh, Zack Snyder's debut film, the 2004 remake of Dawn of the dead. No, he seems to have some sort of, of, of fetish for zombie babies because that almost happened in that film also. Um, yeah. It's like he thinks that's the coolest idea since sliced bread. And he's just like, one of these days, guys, one of these days, we're going to get a zombie baby and it's going to be awesome. I'm just not with him on that, Zach. I'm sorry. I'm just not with you on the zombie baby thing. I don't think it's that cool. Um, but anyways. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, Mr. Batista is pulled out of flipping burgers. Obviously, the, you know, it's a scam. We have the Ocean's Eleven scene where he's collecting, you know, a team. Putting the team is, together. Which is fine. It's Again, fine. Ocean's Eleven did it better, but it's fine. Um, yeah. 
story was dumb. The, you know, I got, I briefly got lured into the idea that, oh, maybe there can be a romance between some of these main characters. And then the head gets turned completely around backwards. Okay, let's talk about that scene for a second. Let's, let's have a sudden moment in the middle of this heist where we have very little time, right? We're, we're, we're on a debt. We're on a timing schedule at this point because the bombing of Las Vegas has moved up yes. by a full day. It's less than an hour until a nuclear bomb is Let's dropped. You're trying to get feelings. money from the vault to the roof onto a helicopter and out of the city. Let's stop with 45 minutes left to the bomb drops to have this intense scene in which a, one person expresses their emotional feelings for another one, not the time Two, a competent screenwriter would have <laughs> would have written that scene earlier in the film as something that 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 you could have then latched onto or grown to. And when it came back to it, you, you, you would have you it would have felt like an earned moment. But instead, they literally have that scene at the most inopportune moment. They're, they're, they're going to get on the elevator to go to the roof to, to put the money on, on the helicopter. The elevator doors open. Alpha zombies there, rips her head, turns it around. Completely unearned moment. You can't earn an emotional moment like that by setting it up the moment when it's convenient because the next thing that happens has to prey on that. That's you just bad you, screenwriting. You can when you are a eighth or ninth grade person and you don't know how to write an actual Correct. movie. Now, one of my favorite movies of all time is Face Off. Uh-huh. I don't have a problem necessarily with bad, you know, with that kind of thing. Like, I, I don't take a lot of time in you know, being like, you have to set something up and act, whatever, what is it, check off if you have a gun, if you show a gun in act one, you have to use it in act three. Um, you know, I don't need a lot of that. It was very much like, oh, I came here for you. Didn't you know that? Oh man, I've messed up lots of things. I didn't need the daughter to play a part at all. Dad. Right. In, let me in let's this. talk about the daughter. Let's talk about let's talk about the, the the usually in a movie, a MacGuffin is a thing that the characters need to go get, right? In this movie, ostensibly it should be the money in the vault. That should be the MacGuffin that they're going to go get. Instead, for some reason, we've decided that we need to have a person be the MacGuffin. The woman, this, the, the daughter that we're talking about, yeah, um, she's a volunteer at this quarantine camp, and a woman that she is friends with has gone into Las Vegas in an attempt to find uh, money from the casinos that she thinks she'll be able to use to buy herself and her children, two kids, their way out of this quarantine camp, right? Mm -hmm. So this woman goes into Las Vegas. She disappears. Now the daughter, who has been charged by the woman, her close friend, with keeping an eye on her children while she's gone, she asked her to do that for her as a favor to her. She says, watch my children. What is the first thing that the daughter does when the children tell her mom is gone, she goes to her father and says, I'm going in there with you. Mind you, that quarantine camp in the script is at that moment being emptied out. They, the, the, the security guard says the last bus is leaving. You better get on it. The next scene is the daughter talking to the children. The scene after that is the daughter talking to Batista. We at no point see her talking with the kids, telling them to stay put, putting them on the bus for all we know. 
the children are still sitting in that tent, which is going to get nuked because the daughter couldn't be bothered to care for the children in the way that the woman who went into the city, whose last request was as a friend, watch my kids for me. Instead, she abandoned them. Then, as a MacGuffin, we're in the city, 45 minutes left, she's stuck with the group for this entire thing, 45 minutes left, and she decides, I'm going to walk across the fucking desert over to the zombie central to go see if my friend's alive. She has no reason to believe her friend is alive, there's been no radio transmission, there's been no mirror glint of light, oh, there must be somebody alive over there. She just says, I'm going to go over there because I have to look for, I don't know what the plan is, she's going to find her, have less than 20 minutes to get out of there because the helicopter's going to be gone. I don't know what, what she thinks she's going to do, she's going to find the person, they're both going to die together, I guess, that that was her plan because um, she couldn't depend on anybody actually coming to get her, right? So we go through all of this. She finds her friend who, you know, statistically speaking, there's no way what reasons why she should be alive, but she is. Yeah, we get that one. We get that one random scene where, you know, the three seemingly the three only other humans in Las Vegas are in a room and the alpha is just looking at him going Ugh, and they scream and cry. And then he walks away. And then, right. They rescue her. Batista, after it all, you know, what little remains of his team, he gets Tig to land the helicopter at Zombie Central. They go down. He finds his daughter. They go back up. They get on the helicopter. They get out of the city. Spoilers, big spoilers coming here. Uh, The alpha zombie, the king zombie, jumps on the helicopter, causes it to crash. At the end of the movie, yes, they've taken out the alpha zombie. That is resolved. Uh, Batista is infected. We have a heartwarming moment with him and his daughter, who has also survived the crash. We know he's going to turn. They have their little emotional reconnection. She has to shoot him, just as happens in these zombie movies. At no point does this woman find her friend after the helicopter crash. The movie never again shows this woman, this MacGuffin, this woman who the daughter went to Las Vegas to find, We get her on the helicopter, we save her from the building, and it's never mentioned again. Did she live? Did she die? What happened to her? No, she dies in the helicopter. I thought she died in the helicopter. They don't show it. They never show it. What happened to her? You assume she died, but they never show it. Greta is her name, by the way. The MacGuffin, Greta. Gita. Gita. Oh, is it Gita? Gita. I'm sorry. I apologize. But it doesn't make any sense. I didn't have a problem with Tignataro. The character is all of these characters are dumb, not in a intelligence way, just in a they are ridiculously one dimensional. And, you know, yes, you can tell that that the vast majority of her stuff is all done afterwards. Her trying to get the helicopter to work, her, you know, agreeing to to join the team. She has the like, best scene in the movie. The best scene in the movie is when they go to her and to try to get her to join the team. And they're like, uh, so we're planning a, a, a thing and we want to know if you're in, we need a helicopter person. She's like, how much money? They're like $2 million. And she's like, I'm in. And they're like, you don't want to know anything about it. And she's like, Nope, I'm good. My life sucks. $2 million would help. I'm in. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm yeah. in. That was it. That, that was the best scene in the movie. My opinion. Um, but the problem is a lot of a lot of her scenes, I feel like the reason why I say it fucking sucked was because it's very obvious she's not there with the actors. For yes. the most part, she's being screened by herself. Yes. Um, and and they put her it, it, it's just it's so obvious. It, it sticks out like a sore thumb, I think. Um, 
All right. So let's see. Where else did I go? Who's your favorite character in the entire movie? Is it Tig? Probably, although um, realistically speaking, I think Batista did a great job. I think he was good. I a think little he wooden, did. but the the having the daughter part was just there was not necessary. It was no. not necessary. The whole yes, was it was it shocking to find out that he had to kill his wife because his wife was turned and he had to stab her in the head? Yes. Um, and here's the, he, here's the other thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You keep going. You go ahead. You know. Yes. He has to now protect his, you know, his daughter and do the job and all of that. Uh, I love Batista. You know, he was great. I was, I was honestly surprised. Again, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. I was surprised that he died. I expected okay. him. Yep. I expected him to survive. It makes, again, I don't know zombie movies. For all I know, most of the characters die. I figured he and maybe one or two others would survive. Um, I like Dieter. He was stupid, but I found I found him. um, I found him. I found him too much obvious comedic um, comedy relief. I just it was just a little too much on that side for me. Um, But but he was okay. He was okay. Um, The thing that bothers me the most, I think, about the movie is well, I wouldn't expect you to know this because again, you're not a big fan of horror movies. But have you ever seen Aliens? The uh, James Cameron sequel to Aliens, more of an action movie. Um, Sigourney Weaver, seen, see, Paul Reiser. See, this is if if we were just to piss him off to do our own sound scary. Uh-huh. I think we would need to watch because I've never seen any of the Aliens movies. Yeah, like this so, movie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Zack Snyder looked at aliens and said I'm just going to remake that and nobody was going to notice because I'm changing the setting like it it, it it is so many beats scenes from that movie like exactly um, they're, like having you know the guy who's a plant from the guy who owns the casino the head of the security team that joins them that's Paul Reiser's character obviously they're going to get double crossed later in the film you know, the scene where they arrive on and they're going through all the hibernating zombies. There's mm-hmm. a scene where all the Marines are going through sleeping aliens are up on the walls when they're dropping That's glow just, sticks. Yes. And aliens came out. But that I watched and I was like, oh, it's the Borg from Star Trek The Next Generation. They're in stasis. You have to walk quietly so they don't. It, it's it. exactly that scene. I'm locking the member of the team in the room with the zombies. Like Paul Reiser does that to people. Yeah. This movie was clearly having Paul just, having the security guy get his comeuppance with the tiger. Yep. Yeah. Same thing. Like the exact same. Like there's even a part at the end here where um, Batista gets back to the roof after saving his daughter and Tignataro has left. The helicopter is gone. Right. Yep. In Aliens, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, gets back to the landing pad with Newt, this little girl. And the ship is gone. She thinks Bishop, the, the, uh, the Android character played by Lance Hendrickson has left them, has abandoned them on the planet. Um, and in, in that movie, what happens is they're, they're sitting there on the landing pad. She thinks Bishop has left them. The queen alien comes out and you have this moment where the queen alien just stares them down and they're staring back. And Ripley just holds Newt's head against her shoulder. He's a little girl again and just tells her, close your eyes, honey. 
Just yeah. close your eyes because this is it. It's over. Yeah. She knows it's the end of the road. They're dead. They're about to get torn to fucking shreds. A real emotional moment. Then Bishop comes in with the ship. He hasn't left them. He's just circled around. They get on the ship and they're able to survive, right? What happens in this movie? Exact same setup. Batista gets up on the roof with his daughter. Tignataro has left them, right? You have half a beat where it's like, oh, she left us. Yeah. And then, oh, do you hear that? Never mind the fact that it's an empty city with nothing else going on. <laughs> and you would hear a helicopter anywhere in the damn city. Um, suddenly the, the helicopter comes up from beneath the roof line and oh she hasn't actually left them she turned around to come back and get them then after the helicopter comes back and you have that moment where oh she hasn't left then the king zombie appears on the other side of the roof mm-hmm. that's not how you write a scene like that the way you what? write it is in aliens where you have the tension you have the suspense and then comes the relief you don't have the half a second of tension immediate relief followed by the wet fart of the, of, of the threat showing up. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not built correctly on any level. Yeah. And I also want to point out, you talked about the just close your eyes, close your eyes. That spot's in the movie too. Yeah. The, in the beginning, the woman's got the girl, they're trying to get through, like the barricade is up, there's like yeah. one piece yeah. going. And they realize they're not going to make it. So she holds the kid. She gets bit. She closes her eyes. <laughs> the shipping crate lands on them all. Yeah. I didn't consider it a horror movie. Maybe it's, that's it's, my, it's barely a horror movie. Maybe that's I was going to say, maybe that's my own ignorance in terms of what horror movies are. But I was not scared. At all. A lot of horror movies are like that, I would say. During um, it, during any part. I was not, I can't say that I was scared. I I think that, I think this is, again, this is going to sound weird, especially since it's Zack Snyder again. I think you would like 2004's Dawn of the Dead. There are, I would say, more intense moments. There are scarier moments than anything in Army of the Dead. But I think overall, the tone of that film is not too dissimilar from Army of the Dead. And I think it's a much smarter movie overall. Hmm. Um, much tighter movie. Um, and, and we haven't even talked about the fact that this is the first movie that Zack Snyder has been his own cinematographer on. And do you want to talk about short depth of field? Holy Jesus, Batman. Like, I, I thought I was going to puke about an hour into the movie. <laughs> take, take a minute, because I had to, I will freely admit, because I, I am not a film buff in any, I had to look up what depth of field meant. So explain to people what you're talking about. Um, so basically you, you use, um, you have something in the, in the foreground that's in focus. You can see the details on like normally most things in a movie are in focus and maybe the far background, um, the things that are, are, are outside of your, t- what is called the depth of field are out of focus in this film. Like you will have like the nose of a character that's in focus and by the time you get to their ears on their side profile, it's out of focus. And it's almost every shot in the movie, the depth of field is so shallow that like the stuff that's in focus is only maybe six inches of a plane of sight. It, it, and it's, to me, I found it incredibly disorienting. And I honestly, about an hour into this two and a half hour movie, there were times when I was like, Oh boy, I was like, I was glad I wasn't seeing it on an IMAX screen. I would have yacked. I would have puked. 
Like, I guarantee it. It was that, like, yeah. bad. Yeah. Overall, can we talk dumb. about the robot zombies? There were three r- zombies in the movie that were robots. They had blue, they had glowing blue eyes, and when they got shot, you could clearly see mechanical innards. And that's an interesting concept. Why are there I don't robot that part zombies? At all, but okay. It's there. It's, you have to be paying attention. Nah, you have to be paying attention. Yeah, I didn't promise that. <laughs> I know. But here's the thing about that particular moment. Zack Snyder showed this movie. You know, they did a, a press screening for 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 reporters and things. You know, people who are into horror movies or you know, sure. it's one of those sorts of sites. Those IGN people that that GQ loves to read about. When the movie was over, the f- the f- one of the first things that Zack Snyder asked the journalists, he didn't even ask to, he didn't even wait to be asked about it. Zack Snyder you think said, of the robot zombies? did you catch the robot zombies? And they were like, oh yeah. And he's like, super cool, isn't it? Why are they there? Is it the human government? Did they make these decoys and put them in there so that they could learn more about the society of the zombies? Or maybe they're from the aliens. Did you see the spaceship at the beginning of the movie? Maybe they're aliens and maybe these are some sort of alien weapons that they've put in amongst the zombies. Maybe that's something we can explore in a cinematic universe of the dead i hope he said it just like that i don't think he said it just like that but that's exactly what he's going for here he left enough little tidbits of bullshit uh um forrest mentioned it there was i don't know if you saw it there were two lights in the sky in the beginning when they were first leaving i did see that fly away which implies some sort of alien thing because the base they were leaving of course was area 51 yeah um and and, 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 and clearly at the and clearly at the end the 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 ones you know the daughter survives hopefully we never see her again um but the one guy who makes it out cuz he was locked in a vault and apparently the nuke destroyed the vault enough for him to get out but apparently he's but he's not dead from radiation sickness not dead from um, radiation sickness not dead from no the boils. zombie no, bite no no boils Right on his like, body. Here, that's the, yeah, that, he that's gets, the thing. He, he's able to get on a plane to Mexico City, and then he realizes he has the bite, and he laughs. So then you're like, okay, clearly this is setting up for. Up, oh, we're in another, you know, area. The one thing I will say that I would be interested in seeing a sequel of, and it clearly doesn't work because the blonde steals the. I would have loved for the government to get the head. Sure. Like, that's an interesting thing to me. Like, the government is weaponizing zombies. It's only this interesting to me. The reason why, I, and I, for those of you at home, this is an audio show. It's a very little <laughs> pinchy um, gesture that I'm making. The reason why that doesn't really interest me is because it doesn't make any sense. Um, when you consider the fact that the original alpha zombie came from Area 51, which means that they had him. They had his blood. They were experimenting on him. They that's should true. know and have all of the samples that they need. That's a good There's point. There's no reason why they should need that head. So the two guys who are who spend the first five minutes of the movie, in addition to the 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 very lucky guy who gets married, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, the beginning right. of the movie, they get married. The guy who and, was James Franco, who they also filmed out of the movie because of his own issues, um, working uh, as. A non sleaze well, bag in hey, the world. I today. appreciate that they replaced him with a guy who looks a little like me. Yeah, um, right. But the two, the two army guys who are talking about again, 
you know, what could be, what, what is this trans, what is this payload we could be carrying? Oh my goodness. So many possibilities. They are turned into, I believe the first two betas, alphas, whatever. Do they show up again in the movie? I don't think so. I thought it was interesting. So how does that work? If the alpha bite, if, if the original zombie bites you, you become an alpha. But yeah. if an alpha bites you, you become the shambler. Is that how it works? I would have thought. Does the does the original zombie have to bite you in a special way to make you an alpha? And if he bites you just a regular run of the mill way, you become a no. shambler. See, how does that I would work? think I would have thought you would do a hierarchy. Like, okay, so again, it's a pyramid scheme. So the 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 alpha the king zombie bites these two. They become alphas. Whoever they bite becomes a slightly less powerful version. And so enough people have gotten bitten that it's just, you know, your shamblers. And there's different tiers of Again, zombies. a competent screenwriter. He, he's, he introduced one of the coolest ideas, I would say, in zombie movie history. They first get to Las Vegas. They go through the shipping tan. They open it up. Yes. And there's just dead bodies everywhere. But they're shriveled up. Yes, just I was going to just comment on that. And the, the line of dialogue from, from the, the coyote, the blonde girl that you're talking about before, her, she says, you should see it when it rains. They come Why back didn't to it rain? Why didn't it rain in the third act? Absolutely. I, I, you don't set that up and then don't do anything with yes. it. That would have yes. been amazing. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for it to be like they make it. They have the money. They're in there. And, you know, this is even before. Can I ask another question? Why, why is it that, that this guy has to hire a team to crack his own safe? Shouldn't he have the combination? It's his casino. It's his safe. Doesn't he have the combination? Why do they have to get a safe cracker? Furthermore, even if, even if they, even if, okay, because, you know, Dieter said something about this there's four locks, never gonna end. They're, they're randomized. Okay, so let's yeah. assume that at some point, whatever, you know, cipher he had that allows him to predict the combination at a certain t- point in time was lost. Let's assume that they need the safe cracker. Fine. Why couldn't he still tell them what the booby traps were leading up to the safe? Which couldn't he have told them the first one's a set of blow dark guns, the next one's a set of whatever it was, the last now, one's a crusher now, thing? Now, I'll, I'll answer this. Because I think I know the answer to this. That's not why he's there. They sent them there to get the security guy to get the head of the queen zombie. They don't care about the money. Right. That's great. So, so, but here's, so here's the problem with that. Why the ruse? If you're going to give Batista $200 million, why not say to him, hey, there's something going on with the zombies in there. You're not going to give him $200 million. That's you the might. whole point. Because the whole no, point, no, but yes, the whole point is he's going to sell the zombie head to the government. He wants more money. The whole point is to get the security guy to get the head and then the security guy kills or abandons everyone else and leaves. At no point were any of them supposed to I, survive. I, I still think it would be way simpler to hire yes. a team of people to do the job give them the, you want them to do. And make it as do. easy as possible. And then if you want to kill them all when they get out, like, you know, you say, and after you're done, we're going to have a quarantine room where you're going to be in there just for 24 hours. We want to make sure that none of you come out infected. And when they're in there, you gas them all or you shoot them or whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah. Like that's 
it doesn't make any sense that you would but make I, up this elaborate ruse. And if you're I Batista, so, I understand the guy might not want to give you those details. But if you're Batista, wouldn't you ask for those details? What are the booby traps? Why, why wouldn't you ask that? Because then you don't have a scene where you're using zombies. As because then the movie can't happen. <laughs> so let me um, get this straight. There are pressure plates for these booby traps. Why do you have to send the live zombie over the pressure plates to trigger them? Why can't you just take any of the dead bodies, which you're setting up in this movie, now your cinematic universe, you've now set up time travel because you're implying that those dead bodies are the live team that we're currently seeing. You look, they were wearing the same clothes on the bodies. They had the same jewelry. Clearly, they're setting up some sort of time loop thing as well in their cinematic universe. No, I thought that was, I thought that was, this is clearly... They sent in other teams to try to get. The, if you look, if you watch it again, it's the exact same clothes. It's the exact same. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it again. Okay, it's Doc, the I'm same not watch team. Um, why couldn't you just take that body and throw it on the pressure plate? That would have told you the same information. Can I get my point out that I've been trying to get out for five minutes? Because you are clearly impassioned. And I do love that when you do that. I wanted them to get the money. They walk out the casino. Like they, they start to walk out. They get to like the casino floor. They're high five and they're celebrating. And then you hear thunder and it starts to rain and they like look out the windows and thousands of zombies who have been laying in shriveled heaps all start coming to life. And now they have to fight their way to wherever the hell it's what the climax should have been because I haven't even talked about this continuity issue, right? They get in the helicopter. They fly after his daughter across the city. They land on the other top of the other building in that same amount of time that it takes them to fly from building one to building two, King Zombie runs all the way down the stairs, gets on his horse. Yes, zombies ride horses in this movie. Rides across the, the desert. Came. I didn't know where the horse came from. I'm assuming the same place as the tiger. He gets. I, I figured he was riding the tiger, which would have made way more sense. That would have been way better. He gets into his hotel building. He gets up the stairs to where the daughter is. All in that exact same amount of time it took them to fly there in a helicopter. Why not just leave the king zombie behind, right? Mm-hmm. And as you're saying, thunderstorm. There is zombies on the roof. They get reanimated. Some of them are alphas. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah, you can't have your climactic moment with the king zombie. But it would have been way more sense. It would have been way more cool. You, you could have. You could have. You could have killed the king zombie earlier. Or you and get delayed you have the by horde. fighting the other zombies, giving the king zombie time to get there. Yeah. No, because you could have had that scene on the helicopter, which you compared to aliens. The King Zombie's not there. There is a thousands of shamblers coming up the walls. Now, granted, they can't climb because three or four shipping crates apparently is enough to keep a zombie from ever making it out of this barricade. Yeah. Um, But there are zombies everywhere clamoring towards them. Then the helicopter shows up. They get on because they have time because they're shamblers, but enough of them hang on or jump on or fall onto the helicopter that it weighs it down and it causes it to crash. Right. They must have ran out of money by the time they wanted to film that scene. That's the only thing I can think of. Or they're saving it for the sequel in their cinematic universe that they're making about robot zombies and time travel and whatever the fuck else aliens Aliens. that they're throwing in there. Yeah, they're they're not zombies, they're aliens. Either way, it was not a bad way to spend a weekend morning. I don't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, but would you stop complaining at it? We have. Would yes. you recommend Army of the Dead? In a COVID, it's fr- if you have Netflix, it's free. There are worse ways to spend two and a half hours. 
Yeah. All right. I agree. I would also, I mean, I encouraged you to watch it, didn't I? I encouraged you to watch it because I wanted to have this conversation. That is the payoff to me of watching that movie. That was worth the two and a half hours was having this conversation. I hope you realize <laughs> that that was, that is it. But I, I, I mean, overall, it was bad. It was poorly written. It was poorly shot. It's dumb. It's real dumb. But dumb can be good sometimes. And it was, it was, it was watchable. It was definitely watchable and enjoyable. You know how we like um, these ideas of setting up projects that could never, ever be completed. Oh, yeah. And you know how we had an idea at one point of what if we listed wrestlers by era? These are the these are the best, you know, wrestlers of the 80s. What if we did a podcast where we did a list? but it was movies and we just watched a movie and then we had to then rank the movies. So we try to find the greatest movie of all time. That's probably Citizen Kane though. So I think we would, because it's us, we would have to do a, like the movie can't have, I, I know there is a podcast where they're trying to watch the worst movies according to Rotten Tomatoes. But I think like you have to have a certain like if it's 70 or above on Rotten Tomatoes, we can't watch it. We've got to watch, you know, generally not great movies because you clearly we just spent possibly half an hour yeah. talking about Army of the Dead. And I spent a lot of time watching you rant, which is honestly on my top <laughs> 10 favorite things to do. I'm just glad you've seen just, the movie this time. Yes. It's to just watch you rant. And so. You know, clearly you had things to say. I did. Thank you for listening. Uh, Our next we were, email. We were doing emails. Our next email uh, comes from Gmail itself. Yes, this is. Yes, it's called podcast email. And the subject line. Oh, no, that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, going back to 2018, the Twitterverse has criticized WWE ad nauseum for releasing talent. The thing is, outside of those that asked for their release, like Neville, Harper, etc., who have they released that has actually done anything to improve their stock outside of WWE sent from my iPhone? Drew McIntyre. Now, this, this comes from Dan Noonan. Uh, I think he's at, yeah, at, Dan, D, at D Noonan 222 on Twitter. Um, Drew McIntyre is certainly somebody. And I think a lot of these people... You know, Alistair Black just did a Twitch in which he was incredibly complimentary. Now, part of that might be because there's rumors that Zelina Vega is going back to WWE. So he probably doesn't want to screw things up for his wife. But I think many of these people could wind up coming back. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. And, and big Cass, William Morrissey. Mm. He's, now part of, he's now part of Impact. Let's say you the know, jury's stock, out on him, but... His stock's not super high, but it looks as if... Looks like he might be on an upwards trajectory. Yes. Okay, I'll give you that. You know, and uh, Hawkins and Ryder went to Impact. They're doing fine. I don't think they're, you know, setting themselves up for a huge return. Oh, you want to talk like about Cody run. Rhodes? I mean, he's done oh, amazing God. for himself after I, leaving WWE. I don't want to talk about Cody Rhodes. No? I just don't. Oh. I have no need to talk about Cody Rhodes. How do you feel about wrestling having focus groups? Did you, did you see that whole thing where he talked about some promo? And yeah. maybe he was kidding, but he talked about how his promo had been, had been you know, given to focus groups and they were really high on it. 
I think he may have been lying the more I think about it. But. I mean, he probably was lying about it. That's my first impression as well. Yeah. But I mean, in a world where everything is corporate, um, maybe. I mean, I could see it. All right. Our last email comes from Mitchell. Masks, COVID, vaccines. Oh, my. I'm seeing more than three paragraphs. Would you like me to read this? Oh, it's one? all you. So a couple of weeks ago on the show, Doc was talking about how he was weary of the CDC. I think he means wary. Yeah. He was wary of the CDC's decision and would continue to wear his mask. As someone who felt safe taking his off after hearing that, I have some follow-up questions that are definitely worth asking since I'm visiting anti-vax family in Texas and can't duck out because six-year-old niece is flying back to KY with us. So I completely understand the idea that now people who are not vaccinated will stop wearing a mask at all, and that's a bad thing. But I was under the impression the CDC had now found that the vaccine prevents you from spreading as well. Is that not the case? Because in my mind, what we're going to end up with is a country full of people refusing to wear masks who need them, and another half refusing to take theirs off when they don't need it anymore. You want to address that part uh, first, or should going. we keep going? Keep going. I also understand that you are safer with the mask than without, even if you are fully vaccinated. But is the risk level at that point still higher than the flu or what have you to merit the need for a mask? These were the things I wondered about as you answered Danielle, so I was curious for follow-up. I personally have never been too worried about myself, but have strived to be safe in the interest of others. And I thought the CDC's recent announcement meant that I am doing my part to protect others just by being vaccinated. If that's not the case, though, I may want to reconsider. I turn us over from, from Doc Manson, screenwriter and film critic, to Doc Manson, scientist and uh, virology. Um, it makes me wary because nothing is guaranteed. Um, a 90% rate still gives you a 10% chance of catching it. And, but that's not like just you, right? Um, that, that's across populations. So there may be people who get the vaccine who develop very little immunity, for whatever reason, their immune system may not be very robust or maybe uh, the vaccine they got wasn't well refrigerated or whatever. Um, you know, it happens. So the more protections you can put in place, the better. And the continuing use of masks to me does not add any burden on an individual. Um, I don't care how many people tell me, oh, I'm wearing it on the heat and I'm going to pass out. Fuck you. You're not going to pass out. It's a little piece of cloth. You're fine. Anybody with serious pulmonary issues in this country, you better believe is wearing a fucking mask because if they catch COVID, they're dead. So you can shut the hell up. You're just being selfish. Um, but beyond that, there's still a lot of unknowns about the variants, right? I mean, every we just heard a couple weeks ago about, maybe it was last week, of the Yankee team who came down with one of the variants, you can still get sick. And yes, you're not likely to die if you've been vaccinated. But how many people do you know who aren't vaccinated? I ask again, because I know lots of people in my life who aren't vaccinated because they're idiots. Sorry, but that's the case. Um, and again, you I mean, you just said anti-vax family. Um, now, that said, the vaccine probably prevents you from spreading it. But again, the vaccine only works 90% of the time underneath best case scenarios. What about the other 10% of the time? You have no way of knowing with a disease like COVID, which is asymptomatic in a lot of cases, whether or not the vaccine is working, whether or not you're sick, whether or not you're spreading. There is no way 
to tell. The other thing that we don't know is really exactly how contagious is COVID. Early estimates put the um, R0 number somewhere around 6 to 8 um, when it was first being found in the Wuhan area of China. And what that number is, you can think of it as a way of representing how many people an infected person is likely to spread it to. So number of eight, let's say you're going to pass it on to eight people. So you can see very quickly how it grows exponentially, especially without a vaccine or prior immunity to break the chain of spread, right? The problem is we think the number was somewhere around there, but then the world did a very good job of social distancing and putting on masks and the actual, and then the R not number for COVID has dropped probably below two uh, in the intervening time. And so all the data we have is showing something there. Now, a flu R not number, depending on the strain, probably somewhere around one, right? So two doesn't sound that much higher than one, and it's not. But the problem is when social distancing goes away, when masks go away, combined with these clusters, micro clusters of people who aren't vaccinated, because they do tend to live in packs, you get these intense little rings of breakouts. We see it happening with mumps. We see it happening with measles in anti-vax communities around the country. You combine that with the fact with the, we don't know the full extent of how mutations or variants are going to go. And every single time you get an infection event is another opportunity for a new mutant or variant to be spawned. And that increases the unknown consequences. So again, at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's very easy for this thing, I think, to spiral. Don't get me wrong. I think the CDC is probably right. I'm not going to question their authority. They've got a lot smarter minds and larger numbers working there than is just me. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that if they think it's okay, it's okay. But I will tell you, I have heard that part of the reason why the CDC made that announcement was because they were hoping it was going to encourage people to take the vaccine. They thought they could wave underneath people's noses, hey, you don't have to wear a mask if you get vaccinated. And they hoped that that was going to boost those waning vaccination numbers. About 60% of the adults in this country very quickly got the vaccine. And then after that, there's been so many unused vaccines around the country, we've been throwing them away. We need to get well over 80% of the adults of everyone in this country to get herd immunity. They were hoping to get a boost from that last 20, 25% of the population by saying to them, you can take your mask off if you get vaccinated. Guess what? It hasn't really worked. Hasn't really worked. So I don't know. All I'm going to say again, circling back around to my initial comments here is I don't feel like putting on a mask puts me out one bit. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't harm me. And I don't mind it at all. And if it means I might be preventing someone else from getting sick or dying, I'm okay with it, even though I'm vaccinated. It makes my lips sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. Doc Benson, you're a renaissance man. Thank you. You just you just spoke eloquently about that. You were speaking eloquently about screenwriting and zombie movies and how bad Zack Snyder is. You could talk about anything. That's another idea for a podcast. Doc talks about anything. I just throw out three random topics and you 
you know, oh, yeah, yeah. hold court. You t- you, you've talked very eloquently about two subject matters that you know a lot about and very passionate about. Let's just parlay that into talking randomly about any three subjects I throw at you. That's going to work <laughs> out well. <laughs> Please talk for time, 10 minutes without stopping about pomegranates. Go. They, they taste kind of tart. Um, they do. The juice really stains if you get it onto a light-colored fabric. That's true. Uh, they're kind of a pain what? in the ass to eat because there's all those little seeds, and so there's a lot of mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I go, you've got a whack to get the what are they called? A pills or yeah, you know, we, I bought one the other. Yeah. I bought one the other day, and you cut it in half, and you're supposed to hold it in the palm of your hand and take a wooden spoon and beat the hell out of it, which causes all the you know seeds or what have you to fall out. Which not I've never only done that. Stains, I've always yeah. cut them out, but, which yes, stains the shit out of your hands. So yeah, <laughs> I think from now on, what I'm going to do is just buy the prepackaged seeds. Yeah, because yeah, not that it's not worth it. They're tasty though. I will say that. It's been a long time. That is I've something to be positive about. Ho ho! Segway. Uh, what's your piece of positivity? Oh man, I don't have GQ to act as a buffer anymore. Uh, Would you like me to uh, go first? No, because I, I have one right. I have one ready. I do have one. Ready, it's in the hopper, actually. I just thought I would do okay. a little bit there. Um, ah, I see. Do a bit. It's clever. Um, my piece of positivity this week is a television show. Well, is it still called a TV show if it's on the streaming service exclusively? I guess so. It's not still on my it's a TV. Show. It's a series. Yeah. Um, this is the first show that I have enjoyed at all on Apple TV Plus's streaming service. Um, I had a free year-long trial because I had bought an iPad, I think, in like 2019, and that came mm-hmm. with a, a new device purchase, came with a full year of Apple TV+. And then, I guess, for whatever reason, they then extended the free year by six months. Then they extended it by three months. And I think it's finally going to expire now, maybe this month or next month. I don't know. But anyways... I've watched a few different shows or tried to watch a few shows on there. Nothing that really ever grabbed me that I saw to the end. But I started watching a show, a show that really should have zero appeal to Doc Manson. Um, it is a show about, as our UK friends call it, football, as we call it I here. I knew this is what you were going to say. I knew it, this was going to be which this was going to be it. The name of the show is Ted Lasso. Yep. It is uh, the name of the it's the name of the main character in the show played by uh, Jason uh, Sudeikis okay and basically he plays an American uh, college football coach American football coach who gets hired to coach a soccer team or you know a European football team in the UK in England um it's so it's like kind of this fish out of water story. It's mm-hmm. and then so very quickly you find out in the first episode he's been hired by the new owner of the team who is she she got the team in the divorce from her husband who did own the team. And so it very quickly turns into this sort of I'm not giving much away here. It turns into a uh major league major, I was style just plot yeah. setup, right? She's trying to yep. take the team down and she thinks hiring this guy is her ticket to destroying the club. Um, but Ted Lasso is this infectiously optimistic character. He's got that 
you know, Southern sort of, uh, that sort of stereotypical Southern charm. He's got a story for everything. He's just increased. He's just optimistic. He worms his way into your heart. And it's just, and the thing that I, I've, I, at this point now I've watched the entire series, all 10 episodes. Uh, it, it won an Emmy, I think. And they've renewed it for a second season, which I think premieres next month in July. This show is great. I don't like, I don't like sports. I don't like football. I don't like anything about sports, but this show is not about the sports, despite the fact that yep. it's about you know sports at the core of it. It's not about sports at all, and no. it's it's just wonderfully positive, and like you just keep waiting for like. And this is kind of a spoiler, I guess. Like you just keep waiting for bad things to happen, but like, and don't get me wrong, like challenges do show up and bad things do happen, but never like real bad. It's really just, it's just a really refreshingly positive show. I enjoy the hell out of it. I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I listen to a Kevin Smith podcast. I listen to, you know, all fantasy, everything. I listen to a variety of different podcasts. I have not heard a single person say that that show is bad. Every person that I hear talks about that show says, it's amazing. I uh, might I fam- watch it again, and I never do that. I have a family member who apparently has the ability to family share their Apple TV account, and you know we're a part of it now. And I was hesitant to do it because apparently then they can see the apps you download. Not that I download anything anymore, but I might watch it. I might just watch that Ted Lasso, and that's it. I recommend I, it. it I don't recommend anything um, else on the service, but Ted Lasso, worth the price of admission. Wait until next month when the second season drops. Well, I, th- I think they do it. I think they do drop their shows one week at a time. So maybe wait until uh, you know the end of August or September. Sign up for one month, watch both seasons, maybe get it done during your free trial, and then yep. you can go your merry way. My piece of positivity this week is the last one hour, 53 minutes and 29 seconds. Oh. Uh, you know, we love GQ. We support GQ. And it was... We miss GQ. We do. And it was a little awkward to think, all right, we're going to have to, you know, do this show. And we've done two-man shows before when GQ's not available. And there's no problem with it. But... You know, it it's, felt it's different we, this time. We have we 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 have come to rely on him as the third part of the triangle, and having to go back to a single line was was I was a little nervous about. And yet, we've been going for almost two hours. <laughs> we have not stopped talking the entire time. We talked wrestling. We talked horror movies. We read emails. We had a ton of great emails. We've promoted uh, merch.ddtwrestling. We've promoted Patreon. I don't, maybe we haven't promoted patreon.com slash Wrestling, but we should. Uh, this was a delight. And so now I think I'm like, oh, yeah, we, you know. My, my throat is sore because I think I did exponentially <laughs> more talking than I have been doing. Um, so but outside of that. Generally speaking, you do more of the talking on a when it's just the two of us. Yeah. I kind of I kind of set you up with a topic like 
pomegranates and you just and and you were yelling about Zack Snyder. I'm sorry. I <laughs> feel got, very passionate about movies. I love it. Uh, so yeah. So this has been the highlight of, uh, you know, one of the highlights of the week. And I look forward to continuing. Maybe tall guys here. No, he won't be. No. But, but if GQ comes back, we will celebrate and embrace him as the long lost friend that he is. Uh, but we will continue to do this podcast and have a heck of a time while doing so. Uh, so with that, I say, Doc Manson, anything else you would like to say before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read in the air, send us an email, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our entire back catalog at ddtpod.com or at your podcast repository of choice or at ddtwrestling.com. That works now, too. Uh, we mm. have a merch store, merch.ddtwrestling.com. Go and get yourself some limited edition merchandise featuring uh, the likeness of the, 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 the spriteful likeness, the spriteful, spriteful 3D-ized likeness of Snake GQ, uh, which is limited edition, as I said already, because that'll be going away before long. Uh, and finally, if you like what you've heard... And how could you head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT wrestling to add just a little bit of financial support to DC and doc. It helps us keep the lights on and the pod cast train watching Peacock bonus piece of positivity. I am watching Peacock. It's not as bad as I thought. I have been able to find NXT and NXT UK and have watched and enjoyed. So it's not so bad of a service. We do need to change the password because I will be damned <laughs> if GQ is going to get to watch The Office for free on our dime. I don't think so, GQ. Giovanni Quartermain, no. Pay for it yourself. He is Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. My name is DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. Uh, we may be a lonesome pair, but we're certainly having a good time. Until we meet again, my friends, won't you be? Our bestie.